sunshines! Welcome to What You Readin', a bookish podcast where every other week I share what I've been reading, interview authors, and further my never-ending quest to discover more queer own voices in the media. I'm Mallory, also known as Mallory of Sunshine around the interwebs, and today we're going to dive into a review of Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Sunshines. So tonight I am coming at you with another freaking podcast episode. Yes, we are here. I am doing a thing. I'm trying a new setup. I'm hopeful that this audio sounds better than the last one. And each time I record a podcast from here on out, I hope to learn something and get a little bit better. All right, so tonight I am here to bring you a book review. I'm going to occasionally review books here on my podcast, and more often than not, I will probably do book roundups of, you know, groups of books that I've read and such. I also don't want to exclusively do podcasts for books. I think I need to figure out for myself what the magic balance of podcasting versus YouTube for book-related content content. It's also been mm, roughly a literal age since the last YouTube video I made, so I also want to get back on that (laughs) train while I'm at it. That's a topic for another day. So today I am here to bring you a book review, and this is for a book that I am so forking excited to talk about, and that is Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. For those of you who follow me on the internet, my blog, or even listened to my last podcast episode here, you might already know that Red, White, and Royal Blue was one of my most anticipated queer reads for this year, and uh, yeah, I finally got around to reading it last month. Good grief. I am just gonna start by saying as well that I have not read any books this year. This year has been such a mental hurdle for me. Really, the past couple of years have been, but this year especially has just been bad, hard, struggle bus things leading into more bad, hard, struggle bus things. And I don't want to go into all the details. I don't really need to go into all the details, but one of the things that has resulted from this year of just exhaustion is that I have not had any mental capacity to read. And I know that might sound so pathetic. I don't know what it sounds like, but it's true. And I've been pretty much just listening to music since November because I couldn't handle listening to podcasts. I couldn't handle listening to audiobooks. I couldn't handle reading. I haven't been able to journal. There's been a lot of just mental stuff going on in my brain. But that's not why we're here today. We're here to talk about Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. So I listened to the audiobook of this book. I'm going to have to go look and see who narrated this audiobook. The audiobook is narrated by Ramon de Acampo, and oh my god, he, he did an amazing job. I listened to it, and then as soon as I finished listening to it, I ran out to purchase the physical copy of this book because this is just one of those books that I need to have on my bookshelf. It is definitely my favorite read of 2019. I already have read one additional book. Well, actually two. I finished a book 
that I hadn't finished. That's usually how you finish a book. It's something you haven't finished. And I started and finished another book. So I've read three books this year. I've read three whole books in 2019. I'm hopeful that I can maybe finish this year at a good count. I purchased the physical copy of this book because I I had to have it on my shelf. Ramon does an amazing job narrating this book and I also just was so curious. I wanted to see how some of the things were brought to life on the page because he reads them in a way that you can see what the page is supposed to look like and get a really good picture of that. But I just wanted to see it for myself, obviously, too. And plus, I'm not going to lie low key. I'm hoping that I can stalk Casey McQuiston and find her at some sort of bookish event uh, in the nearish future. And if so, I'm going to beg her to sign my book. This is all over the place so far, so I'm really great at reviews. Let's just all keep that in mind for, you know, what it's worth. Okay, so Red, White, and Royal Blue. This is Casey McQuiston's debut novel, and when I first read the synopsis of it, I knew I had to have it. In fact, before I even read the synopsis, I knew I had to read it. I think I need to start over. I think I'm really bad at book reviews. Okay, so this book is set in current day. It is a current day contemporary new adult novel. It is not young adult. I was under the impression that it was a young adult novel. It is not young adult. This book is written by Casey McQuiston. This is her debut novel. As far as I understand, based on what I wrote on my own blog back in January or February or whenever it was that I wrote that blog post, this book is hashtag own voices, which is awesome. This book, like I said, is set in current day and effectively it pretends like the 2016 election never happened in America and instead Ellen Claremont Diaz wins as the first woman president of the United States. Ellen is a politician from the heart of Texas. Her two children, Alex and June, are biracial children because their father is Mexican. Also, her name is Ellen, and I have a slight bias for that because my mom's name is Ellen. Hi, mom. I love you. Both of Alex's parents are politicians. He wants to be a politician, too. He is 21 years old at the time, just finishing up his last year in college. Uh, June, I believe, is one or two years younger than him. Alex is essentially, as the first son of the United States, he is in the political eye a lot, and he is someone that is just super charismatic. He's charming and wonderful and beloved by all, and so is June, but um, the White House really likes to kind of bank on these two children as these great marketing opportunities in a sense. I mean, they don't like go out of their way to necessarily market them, but they kind of do. I mean, sort of like being a celebrity in the public eye, blah, blah, blah. You kind of know it's going to happen. So the first family gets invited to the royal wedding, and this is Henry's brother's wedding. I can't remember what Henry's brother's name is. I want to say it's something like William. I want to say it's something like that, but I can't remember at this moment in time. And so they go to the wedding and I mean, it's, you know, it's not really a spoiler, but basically Henry and Alex sort of ruin the wedding. <laughs> it just is sort of a thing that happens. Both of the heads of state, England and the United States of America, decide, you know what? 
we should probably fix this. This is turning into a bit of a PR nightmare. And everybody kind of freaks out and is like, oh my gosh. So the United States sort of PR folks decide that the best course of action is going to be to have these two publicly appear to be friends and do things together so that they're kind of caught in the paparazzi's eye as being buddy buddy. And nobody hates anybody. Everything's all good here kind of thing. So there's this whole thing where Alex is going to go spend time in England. And then Henry's going to come spend time in America. And they're just going to be photographed all over the place, doing all kinds of fun things, hanging out, being friends. So Alex is basically like, hey, Henry, if we're going to do this, we might as well get each other's numbers and just be friends because you know, like at least be on good terms. We're doing this kind of already anyway. Let's just do this thing and we can just talk and here's my number, blah, blah, blah. It is no surprise, I think, to most people who are listening to this review that this book is a romantic comedy. So (laughs) if you are surprised by that, I'm sorry, spoiler, but there is romance in this book and there is romance between Henry and Alex. For those of you who don't know that it's a romance, I have already spoiled it. For those of you who do know it's a romance, I am going to talk now about the book pretty candidly. I don't think anything I'm going to say is spoilery, but just in case, I'm going to warn you, but... Yeah, so essentially that whole PR campaign and them being friends turns into more than that when Alex realizes that he might have feelings for Henry. Okay, yeah, honestly, if you have not read this book yet, probably stop listening now. I think I'm gonna do spoilers and I don't wanna accidentally spoil something for you, so I'm just gonna blanket statement say, spoilers ahead, listen at your own risk. All right, you've been warned. The whole frenemy turned friendship sort of takes a turn, obviously. We have to get to the romance at some point, y'all. And that kind of happens at a New Year's Eve party that the White House trio, which is what everybody lovingly refers to as Alex and June and then their friend Nora, who also is someone that Alex used to date, but she's like their best friend, throws their New Year's Eve party and invites Henry to it. And then Henry ends up kissing Alex. Dun, 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 dun. So that's great and kind of sends Alex into a bit of a spiral because all this time he's thought he was straight and yeah, oh my gosh. So the boys start texting all the time, emailing all the time, calling each other all the time. Their texts and their emails are so incredible, so well-written, so real sounding. Like even, and this sounds great on the audiobook too, but Alex has Henry in his phone as HR Prince Dickhead poop emoji. I think that's so amazing. Throughout the entire book, he does not change that, and I love that. But the texts are so real, and the emails are so real, and so, oh my gosh, swoon worthy. It's so, 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 so good. And the way that it's narrated in the audiobook, you can hear it, but seeing it in the book is like just, it's something altogether else. I will say this book gets pretty steamy. And I think that is probably the biggest distinction between this book being a new adult book and a YA book is that the sex scenes are super, super real. They're like this whole thing, their whole romance is just such a slow burn, which you get and you love, but then it also gets steamy and it's sensual and sexy and sweet and caring and tender. I got swoony. I cried and started tearing up. I laughed out loud throughout this whole book. Those are kind of the the range of emotions that I felt, but the sex scenes are also just super tastefully written. Like you can, that's, that's really how you know that it's 
new adult and not young adult is that the sex scenes don't fade to black. They're still very tastefully written. Like this isn't HBO sort of TV kind of caliber of a sex scene, but you know, they, they don't shy away from it. You know, you get to experience these two boys. Alex is kind of experimenting with his sexuality and sex with a man for the first time. Henry's had experience with men and, you know, Alex has had experience with women leading up to this point, but he's never had any experience with a man before. And the way that Casey just navigates that and makes space for this to be really safe and Henry really takes care of Alex and you can hear and see the care and the space that's being made both in the relationship and in the book to allow these young men to experiment and be safe with one another. And I thought that was so great. There's a lot of things in this book that kind of happened. I read a review online. Somebody just was kind of complaining about how Casey McQuiston created drama by publicly and non-consensually outing these two boys because that's sort of one of the major plot points is that these emails that they're writing back and forth to one another, somebody leaks them. So that's a double whammy because we have emails being leaked from a private server from the White House, a private White House server. And then we also have the fact that their relationship gets leaked and really shitty because it was really close to when the boys were actually getting to a point where they might have wanted to talk about it on their own. And so I've heard a few people complain about that just because there's tons of other ways that she could have created drama by not doing that. But honestly, it didn't bother me in the same way and it bothered me because it happened and obviously whenever someone gets outed or whenever somebody something that's so sacred to someone else is shared in a public way or somebody shares that on behalf of another person regardless of if it's related to sexuality but obviously especially if it's related to sexuality that's really shitty and um, doesn't need to happen I don't think that it is the only driving plot point in this book. There actually are a lot of things going on in this book. There's there's tons of action, but also I I zoomed out a little bit and I'm thinking about it from a, a bigger picture than that. Um, you know, Alex is the first son of the United States and Henry is the Prince of England. And honestly, yeah, if if somebody got a hold of those emails, it would be all over the internet, all over the press, right? And so I think for me, it wasn't a big deal because it felt so plausible to have that be something that would happen. And I actually had the thought when I was reading it that as soon as they started emailing back and forth, I was like, oh shit, are these emails going to get leaked? Because that would be so shitty. And then they did. And it was gut-wrenching. I mean, there's obviously this is sort of a trope at this point, like having a queer person's identity leaked out in some way by email, typically by email or by letter. Um, we've seen this a few times, I think it's safe to say, in you know queer-related media. But I think that the spin, the political spin in this book was unique and different and it spiraled off a lot of things because Casey McQuiston also tries to tackle a lot of stuff in this book. There's sexuality, questioning sexuality, there's ethics, there's political intrigue, there's shitty people, 
and the list kind of goes on. And um, so this is just one of those things that happened. But overall, it was just so refreshing, wholesome, and pure, and heartfelt, and genuine. And I loved every freaking second of this book. A lot of people have complaints about this book. I mean, there aren't a ton. If you look on the internet, the majority of reviews are five-star rave reviews, and I'm a five-star rave review. I just want the record to stand with that. You know, a lot of people have qualms about how politically charged this book is. She deals with a lot of things in this book. I can't tell a lie. There's anxiety, panic attacks, homophobia, email leaks, racism, etc. And I think that it's all handled very well. None of it feels forced. It all feels a part of the story. And I think, you know, if you are someone who doesn't want to think about politics when you're reading not the news, then this book is probably not for you. But I think it's so educated. It's written from a very educated place. Casey McQuiston is clearly somebody who knows what she's talking about. She's not just making stuff up and pulling it out of thin air. And I I just think that this is what the world needs right now. Who cares if it's a little bit of a, if it feels like a little bit of a stretch for some of the political things that happen, some of the positive political things to happen to be true, because that's what I want. I want to live in a world where people give a shit about each other and care about making this world a better place and love triumphs over hate. That's the world I want to live in. And that's the world that she paints in this book. And I am so happy about that. This book is also chock full of, like I have already said, but if you're coming back from the spoiler section, I'll just reiterate, amazing text and email threads between Alex and Henry. They're written just like people speak, just like two people of their age would write. There is tons and tons of Star Wars and nerd references, and I love it. Um, Plus also, fun fact, Casey McQuiston is awesome. At the very beginning of writing this book, set up all of the main characters' birth charts, tracked their zodiac signs. So for those of you who don't know much about astrology, doing your birth chart is where you figure out the zodiac signs in all of your planets and houses. Um, So you're not just like, I'm not just a Sagittarius. I'm a Sagittarius rising, a Sagittarius sun, and a Scorpio moon. So she did that for all of the main characters. She looked at their Myers-Briggs, and then she also figured out their Hogwarts houses. I think that is incredible. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm just going to read a quote from her from a Bustle article that I found on this book. Casey McQuiston says, I don't think any reader is obligated to take a single word that's not literally printed on the page as canon. So, you know, subtle shade throw at JK Rowling. Um, But then she goes on to say, but I've been a fan of things for so much longer than I've been a writer of things. And I know what I would have wanted if I were a fan of this book. When you fall in love with the characters and the story ends, you're always so hungry to know more about them. Um, So that's really cool of her and so true. I'm just a blathering idiot about this book. 
I love it so much. This is absolutely my favorite read of 2019. I, like I was saying in the spoilery section, I felt all of the ranges of emotions. I kind of got blushy and was like fanning myself at some of the sex scenes. I laughed out loud. I loved, I laughed out loud so many times. I cried and I just, I flew through this book. I think I finished it in maybe two days listening to the audiobook. Maybe more than that. I was maybe more like a week because it was an audiobook and I, it was not as easy in the circumstances I found myself to be listening to a book versus reading one, which is not usually the case with my commute and stuff. Uh, But I remember I was going to Arizona to spend time with Emily's family and I had 17 minutes left when we landed in Arizona and I thought, oh my gosh, I just need to find 17 minutes that I can sneak away and finish this book because I have to finish this book. There was no time. I did not find the 17 minutes until I was on the plane again coming home but as soon as we were in the sky I said bye Emily I'm putting in my headphones and finishing this book because I have to finish this book and I was grinning from ear to ear it was so just incredible and um, I was listening to a couple reviews before I sat down to record mine because I thought maybe it would help keep me on track a little bit better clearly that did not work as a theory but Tiernan from the booktuber was one of the videos that I watched right before sitting down and he said so often the good does not last long enough and that is part of what was so refreshing about this book yes It's written super well. The characters are so well-rounded. They speak incredibly effortlessly, like just how humans talk, they talk. But also the good portions of this book were so good and so tangible for so long that I just felt... I didn't feel betrayed. You know when you're reading a book and something good happens and you know, you just know that the next thing that's going to happen is the author is going to take that good thing away from you because that is going to be the conflict of the book and you just want to smash something because it's the one good thing and then you know that you're going to get it taken away from you and then you do and betrayal and it's like a whole cycle. Well, this book doesn't do that to you. This book definitely conflict arises, big hard things happen, but the good prevails, you know, and there's hope and there's joy and there's happiness and there's comfort and love. Yeah, I think that was the best part is that love is just the strongest thing ever. And it's amazing. There is swearing, there's some homophobia, there's some racism, there's a lot of political stuff. Again, like I said, so if political stuff is not your jam, this book is not gonna be your jam because it's really politically charged. I think in a good way, but that's just me. And there's panic attacks, anxiety, and drug use comes up. Familial death comes up. I think those are the big ones. So just kind of know that going in. There's some triggers for those of you who might feel like it's nice to know going in. I don't know what else to say about this book. It was so good. You have to read it. I I think you're going to love it. I think if you are somebody who follows me on the internet, chances are we like 
kind of similar things, and I bet you're probably going to like it. It's 421 pages long, but it doesn't feel that way. It flies by, and that's not just because I listened to it on audiobook. I don't know what else to say. I'm blathering on. This whole review has been pretty terrible, I think, but overall, I was blown away by this book. I will read anything that Casey McQuiston writes. I also hear rumors that the director of Love, Simon is bidding for this book to become a movie. Like, that doesn't mean that it's going to become one. That doesn't mean that they are going to get the bid to make the movie happen, but I hear that rumor is floating around out there and quite frankly, this book would be an incredible movie. It would be so much for so many people because not only are Alex and Henry queer, Alex is bisexual. I feel like there is a deficit of bisexuality representation in young adult and new adult. There's a trans character in this book. There's just tons of love. And I think the best part is that all of it is just normal. Like Casey McQuiston doesn't do that thing where she calls people out and she's like, and then I, the bisexual character of this book, blah, 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 right? Like it's just inherently a part of who they are and the way that you learn about their sexuality if they're already pretty sure about it is so natural. I'm blanking. I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but if you read it, you'll understand, you'll get it because that is just how it goes. It's just part of the story and there's no prerequisites necessary. There's no explanations necessary. You just find out these little tiny nuggets about these characters as you go through. That's just a part of who they are. And I love that. Like, don't slap me in the face with it. Just let it be a part of who they are because that's how the world works. We're not just boxes of things. We are complex human creatures that are made up of so many garbledy, messy parts. And, you know, you'll probably never find out everything about anyone. So don't try to put them in a box. All right, I'm going to get off of my soapbox because again, I tried to end this review, I think twice now, and I have not succeeded because I just keep blabbering on. I love this book so much. I don't care what else I read this year. I really don't think anything else is going to top this book for me. It was so good. It was so representative. It was exactly what I needed to get me out of my reading slump. It was exactly what I needed to instill a kernel of hope in me for the future and the political future of my country. And it was so refreshing. It was refreshing and positive and uplifting and lovely and precious. And I'm going to read it again. I swear to you, I'm going to read it again. And then honestly, I'm probably going to regret that I recorded this review before I read it again. But don't worry, I bet I'll probably talk about it again. I think that when my when a book is my favorite book of the year, I can't let it go. I'm extremely behind on reading for this year. I'm extremely behind on reading queer books as they come out. So I'm going to take a look at my list and try to get caught up. Tweet about some book birthdays again like I did last year as they were coming out. Last year, I made a big deal of buying the book on the day that they came out. I did not do that this year so far. I have utterly failed. But I don't think it's too late. I think I can turn this around. I'm feeling a little uninspired to pick up something else after this book. But I think that there's going to be another book out there that's going to make me smile. 
just maybe not as much as this one did. That's all I've got to say today, y'all. I don't know what I'm going to read next, but I'm going to hopefully read something. If you have not yet read Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston, run. Do not walk to the place that you get your books, whether that is Audible or a bookstore, your local mom and pop, Barnes and Noble, or your local library. Just go get your hands on it, read it, listen to it, laugh and cry and just enjoy it. And then find me on Instagram so we can talk about it because I want to talk about it. Oh my gosh. This book is taking the internet world by storm and for very good reason. The hype is valid. Thank you for listening if you have listened this far and somehow gotten something out of what I've said. I am so appreciative of you for listening. That's all I've got for today. So until next time, I will talk to y'all later. Bye. And yes, I did wave at all of you, even though you can't see me. (laughs) 